Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the first hard currency of the new year, the Financial Times podcast on the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz and we've got lots to talk about even in these early days of January, including some very jerky trading going on between the euro and the dollar. We've got the resurrection of trade protectionist worries, which has already taken a sizable chunk out of the Canadian dollar. And there's lots of money chasing somewhat flimsy evidence of central banks shifting monetary policy towards Our guest this week is Viraj Patel, Forex strategist at ING. Viraj, tell us about how this week has felt in the market. Is it jitters? Is it uh, sensitivity? What is it? Yeah, I think, well, our currency markets have suffering from January blues, to say the least, right? The idea that they're still trying to find its feet as we come back from the holiday season, still trying to find a theme, lacking any real clear directional catalysts. And it seems like small noise and headlines are driving a lot of volatility and quickly being sort of reversed. So that's the theme. Yeah, exactly. Just still a bit lethargic, still trying to still trying to get to grips, if that makes sense. But it's quite exciting. I mean, people are very much into the global growth story. um, And and people are always talking slightly paranoid in a paranoid way about when this euphoria is going to come to an end uh, aren't they oh yeah i think i think the global growth story may be slightly overdone now right our message has always been that it's this is a happy hour it's it's kind of like the growth story on its last legs right. for the next couple of yeah. couple of months maybe the next six months and i think that story those stories are starting to get priced in potentially being overstretched a bit and we're now sort of seeing our biggest concerns and sort of now anything that could take the risk environment out of this sort of benign golden a state of mind and you know there are an array of risks on the table coming forward okay let's talk about the dollar and the euro i mean lots of jerks around uh, in the last week or so what does it tell you also dollar yen you know there's been a lot of growth in the yen is the dollar beaten uh is it just the fact that the market only has eyes for the ecb and and the boj is that is that the big yeah the big I, well especially now the focus for the dollar is back in with the u.s economy in this latter stages of its economic cycle the focus is back to structural factors and that tends okay. to weigh on the dollar over sort of a medium-term horizon so any short-term moves are, are going to come from the the euro side or the yen side and that's all a function about EC, ecb and or Bank of Japan monetary normalization, the short-term dynamics in the economies. Now, when we look at the global markets and when we look at monetary policy, the key message is that monetary policy as a driver for currencies packs more punch for in economies where there's the biggest gap between where interest rates are and where they should be. And that's the repricing potential. Now, the US is there, thereabouts. If you believe the terminal rate to be 2-2.5%, that's priced in now. So for us, it's all about chasing those local stories and waiting and trying to find catalysts for those repricings and, and try not to to overreact to some of to what 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 is just sometimes threadbare evidence that that monetary policy is happening particularly we saw with the boj which seemed to make a move on its uh, purchasing bonds without actually doing anything different to what they've done before yeah i think we're going to see more of this the misunderstanding of central bank's policy reaction yeah. functions right and i think this was a classic case on uh, with the bank of japan um 
the focus for the yield curve control policy is on price and not the quantity. Yeah. And that's the that's the key message. I don't think the Bank of Japan were explicitly trying to send a signal. They just felt that they can purchase less JGB bonds and maintain their price target. So I think we quickly understood that. Markets well, markets quickly understood that. But yet again, the yen still did quite well, not least because there is still an underlying fundamental positive uh, a story in the Japanese economy coming through. And also the dollar side, the, the factors to push dollar yen higher just falling by yeah. the wayside so i think markets for us dollar yen stays in this sort of state range bound price action but the risks are now growing that we actually break lower below that 110 level and the gravitational pull is towards 100 105 that's where fair value on the medium term basis yeah. is and that's you know that i mean we were thinking maybe that's a 2019 story but it's becoming a more, more of a late 2018 but, but story you talked earlier about you know worries about you know the global growth story you know having reached peak so we need to pay more attention to the quality of, a, of some of this data coming through i mean which which of the the last few days have you been more convinced by i'll give you three examples Examples: the Bank of Canada's jobs numbers last Friday, the Riksbank, their minutes, which are quite hawkish, or in Norway, the inflation numbers. Which of those has more more meat to them? Well, I think I think all three oh, in some in some or in no, I'll be I'll, I'll tell you this because all three epitomise maybe not Norway, but certainly Canada and Sweden. They both have strong activity okay. and relatively high inflation rest to the rest of the G10 space. Yes. Now, the Riksbank's always been an anom- anomaly. No tailor rule-like policy could even dictate where Swedish banks should be because they should be a lot higher than where they are. But they're waiting for the ECB. That's a classic case there. Mm-hmm. But clearly, the, they feel that actually, Joe, what the force is now there, that they actually might have to go ahead of the ECB at some point. That may have been the message that Ingves was sending out. Yes, Ingves, the, uh, uh, the Riksbank governor. The Riksbank governor, um, yeah. So that, that's, that's potentially one thing. But for Canada, they've, they've shown They've led by example. They, they, as soon as those domestic animal spirits We're come through, at possibly the third exactly. Rate hike in eight months, so yeah. they're the, one of the first uh, central banks, obviously, back in the summer of 2017 to hike interest rates. Mm. And I think the, the the same economic arguments are there. The only tail risk for that is the NAFTA noise that is starting ah, to creep up. Right. Let's talk about protectionism. We have been here before with Donald Trump. In fact, exactly this time last year, uh, and the markets were pretty worried. Should we be again? worried is his bark worse than his bite uh, or is there something more meaningful coming down the road after all people are saying well he's he's done the tax bill that's out the way his case failed on the health policy this is the next one well, I think the unpredictability of this Trump administration is uh, is unnerving for any global investor. But the two things have changed since last year. And I think the, an understanding of what's actually going on with Trump and trade policy. Mm. The first is that I think when we look at this administration, we look at what they're looking at as a measure of economic success. It's clearly the stock market rather yeah. than the dollar. And historically, even if the dollar yes. has given you a better signal of where the US economy is over a medium term basis, the stock market seems to be the one that they're looking at and now any policies that actively would take the stock market lower and that could potentially be a, a, a real protectionist world of stagflationary environment of rising bond yields and lower equity prices that's probably not in the administration's best interest and i think they have a more subtle understanding of this so that that is that's we didn't see that last year though Varos. Yeah. i mean we didn't see the stock market go, go exactly. south just because of the, the protection and so policy. i think there's an understanding that the world has learned to live with trump's okay. noise and so a lot of talk and no action mm. seems to be the central scenario going into it now in actual fact it's just self it's self-inflicting for the us dollar if anything and mm. that political risk just means that the marginal decision to invest 
that extra capital into the US is just smaller given those political risks. And when you've got the rest of the world growing on all cylinders, uh, firing on all cylinders, it suggests that what you're going to see is a general rotation out of the US into the rest of the world and into these Goldilocks investment opportunities. And that's the, the sort of trend for 2018. So not, not necessarily a massive dollar decline, but just a gradual medium term uh, so, rotation. Uh, are you saying, therefore, that the trade rhetoric or actual action from Trump is really just just going to be absorbed by the likes of emerging markets, currencies, and uh, uh, because we're just in a better place this time last now than they were, exactly. we were last exactly. year. Exactly. I think the, the fact that we've got this global synchronised growth story, and yeah. it might not be back to pre-crisis levels, but even if there's some synchronicity, the reliance on trade to generate growth in these economies is less. So the tolerance for general currency appreciation is there. But also the point to make is that if there is sort of synchronised growth and synchronised policy normalisation, there's actually little divergence going on. And for in our world, in current in the currency world, it actually means fairly stable exchange rates, especially on a trade-weighted basis. And so it's kind of like the rest of the world catching up to the dollar. So and that's NAFTA- uh, so just coming back to NAFTA, which you raised at the beginning, but, but you know, he he can pull out of NAFTA, and what what impact will that have? Well, it it, it will ne- the obviously the immediate impact will be on on the NAFTA economies themselves, and, and I think and the currency of the currency of the Canadian dollar. Yeah, the, I think the Canadian the Canadian dollar Mexico peso would, would be uh, marginally hit. The Mexico peso more so than Canada, not least because of the bilateral goods. I mean, the, the Canadian uh, dollar was hit by it, nearly one yeah, percent on, on that rumor that this the, week. The the Bank of Canada story getting repriced. Out. That's the biggest risk for the Canada. So less of a fundamental risk in terms of the terms of trade channel, but certainly more so from the actual Bank of Canada's repricing. But so the Mexican peso, we we think potentially could head up to twenty one, twenty two in this scenario. It, that's a big move given yeah. from where we are. The Canadian dollar potentially only to one thirty back back to sort of those levels. But it's really going to be a lot to take the Canadian dollar a Thank bit you. lower from here, and the dollar. It's important to note that the Fed would be very cautious about hiking rates in this sort of um, uncertain environment. And the dollar would actually lose ground against potentially the rest of the G10 space where they would be continuing business as usual when it comes to normalisation of policy. Two more things, Virush, I want to ask you. One is, um, I mean, it doesn't seem like the market needs many events to to react at the moment. But, however, um, this month, what are you looking at? What what what's what's on what's on the horizon that that the investors should be looking out at? Well, I think no. the biggest risk is going to be that State of the Union address yes. from President Trump later this, month. and I think that that could be a watershed moment for the political risks that that that, that could yeah. be priced into the U.S. economy over 2018. Given what's happening with the U.S. midterm elections, given the by yes. sort of uh, the polarized U.S. electoral base, it's going to be a bit of a, 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 a shaky ground, a shaky sort of message. And if, if we do get some noise around trade and protectionism. Um, I think we could potentially see the start of some sort of dollar well, weakness. We could start to see it when, he, when he's in Davos in a couple of weeks. Exactly. We? And I think those, those, that's, that sort of Trump geopol- geopolitics is going to be yeah. uh, the key, I guess, for markets, waiting, uh, waiting for other central banks to give the signal. More immediately, Bank of Canada meeting next week, the first of the big uh, central banks. Um, yes, are they going to raise rates again? Well, I think the economic data definitely suggests that, not least you've got stronger, stronger inflation yeah. and you've also got a healthy jobs market and strong activity. All of that points to uh, a rate hike. It's probably priced in now. Yeah, the, it's just the NAFTA wrinkle the might, NAFTA, might Yeah, might, what that might do is uh, take away some of the propensity to hike 
after this one. Yeah. So it's kind of like just, you might not see the curve steepen too much in the CAD rally. For us, we quite like the Canadian dollar on the, on the crosses against some other currencies like the Australian dollar, where we don't think the central banks there would be in any rush to hike. So that policy divergence story is a lot more focused in that. Just finally, Viraj, I know it's the start of the year, but you start the year with a whole series of predictions. Which one are you most confident about? What's your conviction prediction? Well, I think I think our biggest conviction is that, and it's growing by the day, that Eurodollar, the direction of travel here is towards 130. And I think that is a bold call and it was always going to be at the start of the year. But just the factors that could have taken euro dollar down from here and the correction was always going to be likely in the near term in the absence of any catalyst. But if you take on to, take on top of the ECB policy story, strong fundamentals, the euro potentially re- uh, taking some of the dollars sort of reserve currency appetite, all of these points to sort of a strong cyclical upswing in that euro dollar cross 130 is looking more and more a convincing call this these actually days. the last podcast of 2017 our guest was talking about 135 so <laughs> it's a trend that's the, that's being expressed in hard currency my thanks to viraj patel of ing we'll be back next week to see whether there's any more uh, decisive conviction in the foreign exchange market as the new year gets going with a look ahead to that davos meeting until then it's goodbye Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.